Let's crack these beers open because we are back and we're not back temporarily. We are back. This is season six. Oh my God. Wow. I, I've never heard you refer to it that way before. That puts it in a context, doesn't it? For a while, I took down everything. And when I put mm-hmm. it back up to make sense of some of the stuff, because there were certain overlaps of certain things, I can, and I didn't have the original dates for episodes and stuff mm-hmm. anymore. So I grouped things thematically into seasons. And yeah, got it. Okay. You know, like the the first until we started doing the artist profiles, that was season one. Then artist mm-hmm. profiles and all that until you left the show, that was season two. Creative Minds was season three, so forth and so on. I'm cracking mine, by the way. We'll talk about why we're back in a minute. So stick around for that. We want to do a segment at the beginning of all these new shows, something that is maybe more for us than it is for anybody listening. But it's a weekly beer. Lam and I are each going to experiment every week with a new beer that we've never had. And uh, we're going to talk about it for the beginning of the show. Not a long time, as long as we feel like, though. You know, it's yeah. our show. It's sure. our beer. So let's, uh, let's, let's pour. Okay. You want to describe yours first for me here? I think you should go first. I just did the whole intro. What are you drinking? Uh, I am currently drinking a uh, Mexican lager called Taco Truck. Um, it is by the Dust Bowl Brewing Company. It is 4.7% alcohol by volume. And this one in particular that I've got is a 19.2 fluid ounce uh, can. Uh, I'm a big fan of drinking out of cans versus bottles. So, yeah, that's mine. What, what we were talking about before we started about me going to BevMo to get beers. One of the things about BevMo, too, is you can get the kind of beers like you're talking about in the cans. Whereas if you go somewhere else, they usually have them in four packs. You can't buy them in just one beer. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. That's another advantage. So you got one up on me here because I don't have the alcohol percentage on mine yet. Oh, there we go. I found it. Um, why don't you have you tasted it yet? Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, it's 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 pretty light. Um, I I am so over IPAs for a while. Um, who no, never say never, right? But like, I, for me, I don't feel like I'm ever really going to have a desire to drink IPAs ever again, just because I drank them, nothing but IPAs for like eight years. For the people listening, I stole this beer idea from my newsletter, the weekly review. I only did it twice before we stole it, but it just seemed like it'd be more interesting for Lam and I to do this together. And one of the things that I found interesting about uh, approaching this weekly beer thing, especially when I was doing it by myself, was trying to actually take the beer and not being like a a beer snob or someone who generally knows much about beer, except for I like the taste of that, trying to actually describe it in words without, Mm. you know, like, let me steal the, you know, the marketing from the bottle. So I think that would be fun challenge for both of us going forward and make this segment a little more interesting. So what's it taste like, Lamb? Sure, it's a Mexican lager, and sure that that might cloud psychologically how I taste it. But there's a hint of like cumin in this, almost uh, cumin and lemons is what I taste. Is Dust Bowl actually? Do you know? Are they actually a Mexican company, or is it just a Mexican style lager? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. I'm looking at the can. I'm like, there's no hints. He sent me a photo of the can. There's no hints. Easy drinking Mexican lager. That's that's encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that okay. is and there's no and there's no real description of it on the act i'm reading on the bottle now trying to figure it out and there's uh, there's nothing here either it's pretty good though 
Let me ask you this. Most people, when they think of Mexican beer, first thing they can think of, especially with a yellow label like this, Corona. Mm-hmm. How would you mm-hmm. compare that to Corona? Um, it's a far more rich flavor than a Corona, um, but it feels like... So So if I'm putting it akin to something, um, I would say this is the difference between like a not great steak and a good steak. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, you know, it's still in the same neighborhood and, and the textures are the same, the, the flavors are roughly the same, um, but you can tell that the quality is far superior. Not to say that Corona is bad. Um, you know, I drink plenty, I've had plenty of Coronas in my, my day and I've enjoyed them. Um, but this is definitely a cut above. Um, there's a richness and a complexity to the flavor that Corona really doesn't have. Um, so if that's our baseline, then that's the way I would describe it. Yeah, I think when you when you talk about, at least for Americans, you talk about Mexican beer, it's either that or Modelo. Yeah, or Pacifico. Pacifico's in oh, there, too. Oh, that's right. Pacifico, too. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the truth is, the three of those kind of taste similar. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're different in their own ways, though. I mean, there's definitely a more mechanical or machine-y feel um, to the um, Corona, almost like it's mass-produced. Um, and I know all three of them are mass-produced, but but Corona tastes more that way. Um, Pacifico definitely feels more refreshing to me, like it's more lime than it is uh, any other flavor. Um, and Modelo's kind of like the deeper, older brother. Yeah, there's you know a darker, I mean? not just in the color of Modelo, too. But the yeah, everything about it. Yeah. The thing about Corona is most of us don't even know what Corona tastes like because mm-hmm. we put lime or lemon in it every oh, time. True. Yeah, good point. There's some people that don't, but most people, you do. Um, okay, so uh, rating scale. So rating scale on, on beers, I think it's difficult because beer, like food, has to do with the person that's tasting it just as much as the product. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's right to say this is good, this is bad. You know, this is a one-star beer, this is a 10-star beer. So I came up with a three-level scale. There's it's my drink. In other words, this, this, this shit was made for me. It fits my tongue, and I love this, and I would drink a lot of it. And there, it's, it's not my drink, which is like, it doesn't work for me. It might work for somebody else, it just doesn't work for me. And then in the middle, there's it's complicated, which is... You know, it's it's not necessarily made for me, but I wouldn't say it's not my drink either. Somewhere in the middle. I feel like there's situational versions of that too, though. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I, I can't, like, this is definitely a beer I could drink all the time, but there's certain beers I can think of that I like with very specific things. Right. Well, I think, yeah, we if we stick with the, the three for the scale and then add on anything we want to add on afterwards, it makes it more interesting. We don't have to stay strict. But I think it's sure. complicated. There's also another way to interpret it's complicated, which is why I chose that wording. Sometimes you're not sure what you think of the beer. You know, like the finish I really like, but the initial on my tongue, when I first take a sip, I don't like. So it's mm-hmm. like, do I like this beer or don't I? I don't know. It's complicated. Mm. So of those three, which would you say taco truck is? Uh, this is definitely a beer I could drink all the time. So it's definitely my beer. Mm-hmm. I dig have it, a man. Winner. I love it. Yeah. To start off, we have a winner, and it's light, four point seven. That's not bad. That's yeah, I mean, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Four to five is your average. Your yeah. average drinking beer. Okay, so my beer, my beer is Mind Circus. It's a hazy IPA from Russia River Brewing Company, and I think if I remember correctly, this is the brewing company that I visited up in Sonoma a couple years ago. Huh. And we did a whole flight. I liked all their beers. This is a strong one. This is a seven. So for people who don't know 
which is probably almost everybody listening, I don't really drink anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Before I started having these weekly beers, which is, is only my third weekly beer or fourth, I hadn't had any alcohol for almost three years. So, and that's not because of AA or anything like that. I just got tired of drinking and my life just didn't have a place for it anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's a good chance that after drinking, what was it? 19.2 mm-hmm. food ounces of 7.0 IPA. Maybe a little loopy by the end of this episode. I hope so. It's one of the things that when I, when I drank on a regular basis before I had a fairly good tolerance and I always, always used to hate that. I always wish I had a low tolerance. You know, spend $4, get a buzz, be done with it. So much better. And you flush it well, out of your system. More life. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right. So what do I think of this beer? It Honestly, this tastes... I, f- I feel like I'm drinking Lagunitas. It tastes exactly like a Lagunitas IPA. Do you think that's symptomatic of all IPAs? No. Definitely not. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah. Now, now that I'm thinking about that sentence, like there's plenty of 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 Lagunitas, that, or I'm sorry, not Lagunitas, but IPAs that I've tasted that have been very like wildly different. I would say I don't know if it's because of the huge popularity a couple years ago or several years ago of IPAs, but I would say of all the styles of beer, there's probably more variety in IPA than any other style of beer, even over lagers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably a bold statement, but that's how I feel personally. But this is very, very similar to Lagunitas. It has that kind of, um, I keep going back to the word on the bottle, which is the problem with reading the bottle, hazy. It does have a, when I read the word hazy, it, mm-hmm. I think hoppy, and I think weed, it does have a bit of that weedness to it. I don't know a better way to describe that. That's not really a word, but a, a dankness. That's a good word for it. So, yeah, there is, so to speak, there is a bit of a dankness to it, like Lagunitas, but then it has a, a crispness like a Lagunitas as well. I mean, if you gave this to me, I would think it was Lagunitas. So I don't know. Yeah, Like if I never should give the label. Yeah. I don't know how Russian River feels about that, if that's what they were going for or if they would be bummed out by that. But the fact that I'm enjoying it, they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And this, I would say this beer is, it's my drink. This is, I could drink many nice. of these. So we have two winners in one episode. So I think, I think as we go along, we'll get better at this beer section. Neither of us know what the hell we're doing. That's kind of the fun part about it. For me, at least. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm extremely excited by the prospect of that. Like, I, I feel like. I feel like the more serious we get and the more formulaic we get, the more, I mean, the, the best versions of this and the, the most comfortable for me are always when it, it, it kind of reverts back to who we are as people and the conversations we typically have. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me feels the best, you know what I mean? Otherwise, otherwise it starts feeling laborious. And, and I feel like the moment it starts edging into that territory, then it becomes harder and harder for me to keep doing it. You know what I mean? Because it feels like homework. Which will bring us right to the part that I wanted to talk about next, how we ended up here. For the most part, this is not going to be a typical episode because it's our first one in, I think, was it been been over a year or almost exactly a year? It's been a while. And we kind of just want to talk about how we got here and how we feel about it and uh, whatever else comes out of that. But yeah, I think that the one of the things going into this that I thought about having just broke off all of my social media for each of my podcasts, my other podcasts, which for anybody who doesn't know, I have three other ones. 
was I, I asked myself, hey, am I going to have to make social media accounts for this too? And then I thought about it. I'm like, no, this is the personal podcast. You know, mm-hmm. like this is this is the most me uh, as far as my personality. You know, the other ones are certain parts of my my interests and my creative outlet. But this is the most me, my personality, and this is the most you, your your personality. So it makes sense for us to just talk about this podcast if we're going to using our personal accounts. Mm, sure. And that's something you know I never considered until today. When we originally did this show, we had an email address for the show and we had you know social media for the show or whatever. We should have just had people contacting us on our personal social media accounts because whenever they wanted to say something about the show, they never wanted to say something necessarily to both of us. You know, like I want to tell Lamb this. Well, go tell Lamb. <laughs> I'm not going to be the seems, go-between. It seems seems weird, weirdly logical when you say it like that. It's like, why the hell did we not come to that sooner? Well, you know, of I course, think it's, it's the world in general too. I think that we're moving, we're slowly getting out of the adoles- adolescence of social media. Some of us, mm-hmm. some yeah, of the sure. world is some of the some of the world is just entering social media puberty right now. But mm-hmm. for those of us, in at least in Silicon Valley, where this is kind of old hat, we've kind of adjusted. And these things make sense. And we, we can see things in a more logical sense, having done everything the wrong way before. Which, <laughs> which in a way, you know, when, when uh, after we decided we did, to do this, two quotes stuck in my head all week about this show. I wish I could quit you. <laughs> I was like, why am I thinking about Brokeback Mountain all week? It's like, <laughs> it's it's, so weird. That's how I feel about this show. You know, it's like random badass rate. It's back again. I wish I could quit you. Or uh it has returned. Or Godfather Three. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. They pull me back in. <laughs> you know, my the quote that's tattooed on my chest comes back to me when I think about this show. Which is uh, the Dostoevsky quote, um, it is better to go wrong in your own way than right in someone else's. Well, we're definitely good about going the wrong way. <laughs> That's how we yeah, We here. are excellent at that. Yep. And we're back. Well, one of the interesting things, I think, in breaking things into seasons, like I did, just for the description, so people kind of have a general idea if they picked up the show, you know, what, what the hell is, why are these all so different? At first, I thought that was strange that we were always changing, but I kind of like that now when I look back at it. It's like, oh, we tried a lot of different things and we went through a lot of different phases and that was fun. Mm-hmm. Like it was fun to not like, okay, this is what our show is going to be and it's going to be this forever. Sure. Because I think sometimes you can play a concept out. Well, you are also talking about that, I think, in the one of the previous episodes, which is how there are certain long running shows that have become less interesting because they haven't deviated at all, you know, Um, and and they've just become stale and stagnant. I think that was in the last brainstorms recording that we did that I scrapped. Mm, I see. Yeah. So essentially it's true. You look at, um, I'm not going to name any names, but there are some podcasts that have been going on for 500 episodes with the same exact format. And then you go listen to it now and you're like, I like it because I like the people, but it's not as good as it used to be. God, that's a lot. 500 episodes of the exact same thing, man. I don't know if I could do that. Yeah, I don't mean that's that's that feels like so much, you know, it's too much. Yeah. One of the reasons we are a little less prepared today, too, is Lamb spilled the beans. 
<laughs> we were going to wait till November to do this. <laughs> and then Lamb spilled the beans because you couldn't hold back. You were excited. Why were you so excited? Oh, yeah. No, I was super excited because I, it, because it, feel, it finally felt right. You know, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. The last iteration of the show actually felt pretty good as well. It was a different show. You know? Just to clarify. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Um, the last, the, the last thing we did, which was brainstorms. I mean, I feel like there were elements early on that were really comfortable. Um, and I really, really liked those things. Um, but I feel like now we're, 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 we're slowly but surely getting back to, to what, at least in my mind, um, the thing that I always kind of, and I, I don't know if I was conscious of this until now, um, but the thing that I always kind of wanted the show to, or not the show, but for us to go back to is what it felt like to just have conversations on, on Carlos's porch. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Like, I mean, those, those were the conversations. Carlos is that, a good friend of ours, by the way. Yeah. He's, 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 and, and we used to have these crazy long philosophical artistic. I mean, we, we talked about essentially everything, including, yeah, including farts and, and, and boobs and stupid stuff. Um, but we also talked about, you know, like philosophies of the universe and like existentialism and all that kind of stuff too. And we would have these marathon conversations till like three in the morning on his porch. Mm -hmm. Um, and those were the kind of conversations that I would be annoyed leaving because I just would want to keep going. You know what I mean? Um, and that's what I kind of wanted it to return to. Um, and I, I feel like we've gotten close in bits and pieces, but we haven't committed fully to going back to, to what our friendship looks like. And I think the core of this show for, for all intents and purposes in my mind is at its best when it mimics as best as possible the conditions that were conducive to our friendship. Well, for people who are listening that weren't following what we've been doing in the meantime, we had another show which still exists. It's called Brainstorms. And our idea with that was, well, originally it wasn't called Brainstorms. You remember? When we first started Mm -hmm. that, it was called The Other Shit because Mm -hmm. it was a place where we decided that we wanted to do a podcast together again because we missed doing it. And especially with everything going on in the world, like social time was like gone, you know, like nobody's like hanging out with anybody right now. So like it forced us to schedule time to hang out in a way. And it was called the other shit because at the time I was, and still to some degree, am knee deep in true crime research. And Lamb mm-hmm. is neck deep, at least that high, in politics. <laughs> and we needed a place to talk about something other than those two things. Mm-hmm. But then like we got like, I don't know, I think it was two episodes into it. And you made a comment. You said, eventually we should change the name because I, I wasn't sure if we could call it the other shit. Or if Apple would just kick us out with the word shit. So I put an asterisk where the I is, which made it impossible to find in search. Now, when you made that comment, you remember making that comment, first of all? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Okay. So was it an offhand comment or had you been thinking about it for a while? No, I'd been thinking about it. The moment I saw the, moment I saw the name, I was like, ah, there, no one's ever going to find this thing. Mm. And, and, and I thought, you know, because I mean, for me, like, especially in the political world that I'm working in, like there's... And and this is part of the reason why I didn't say it earlier um, is because I didn't want it to feel too businessy. Like I didn't want us to care mm-hmm. about who saw it and who found right. it. Um, but at one point or another, like you make that, you think to yourself, I mean, come on, we're, we're doing this so people can listen to it. We really should make it so that I, even if we don't purposefully want people to find it, we shouldn't make it hard for people to find it. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? We've had, we've had conversations, especially on brainstorms. We had a couple conversations about, working against yourself, especially with social media. Yeah. 
working against the algorithm and all of these other things. So you made that comment and it was something I think I hadn't consciously been thinking about, but it had been lingering underneath. And as with the way my brain works is it takes a little time for things to sink in. And actually, I kind of wish to some degree we had some of that conversation that we had last week that I scrapped because we did talk a little bit and maybe even before we recorded, to be honest, I think it may have been the intro to that episode, but we talked a little bit about my speech impediments mm-hmm. and how I'm always, my mind is always 30, if I'm lucky, 30 seconds in front of my mouth. Sure. And because of that, I think it takes a while for me to register things because I have to be outside of the moment and go, oh, that person said that. I understood that on a surface level, but now I'm actually contemplating what that means. And then those things sink in. Sure. And then about a week after that, I was like, yeah, he's right. We need a different name. We need a different name. Yeah, we need a different name. And I started searching around and surprisingly, brainstorms two words was not taken. It, well, it was, but it was one person made like four episodes in like 2017. So effectively, abandoned anchor podcast doesn't count. So was not taken. And I think something about the transition to that name, going back to what you said about taking it too seriously, slowly led us to taking that show more seriously than we intended, which ended mm-hmm. up being a good thing, but not necessarily for you and I together. Sure. Because what we realized, especially after the last one, you you made what I think was an offhand comment, but maybe not, that it has to be fun for you. And I realized that in order for that show to fulfill what it was doing to reach the audience that it's made for, that it was going to be less conversation and more of me telling you things and you reacting. And I started to think about that. I'm like, that's really fucking boring for him. I mean, it would be less, it would be less boring if it was something that I was actively working on. And I think that, you know, in the conversation we've had throughout the course of the week, that was something that you fleshed out, which is if we were both working on developing, you know, our, our work patterns with any note-taking app, then I think it would be a far more enjoyable show. But if I have no idea like what you're talking about, nor do I have a desire to work on that specific thing, then we've got a problem, you know? Right. I think what I said to you was, it would be like doing a fishing show with someone who doesn't eat seafood. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And I realized that's the other thing you said in that particular episode. You said something along the lines of how you weren't using note-taking apps and you weren't using checklist apps anymore. And I started thinking about that. I'm like, that's going to be a, a large focus of the show because that's the audience. Sure, sure, sure. And I was like, I started thinking, I'm like, do I really want to go into every show feeling like I have to justify what I'm, you know, the topic because you're not interested in it? Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not going to work either. Sure, so then, sure. So my next thought was, well, I still want a podcast with Lamb. What do we do? And I had been doing the newsletter. I've been doing my weekly re- review newsletter, which I brought back, I think, two months ago, maybe less. And in the last three or four episodes, I had switched it to an audio format. And that's where I came up with the whole weekly beer thing. And I, th- I think that the second to last episode of, of it in the audio format... I decided, oh, you know what I'm going to talk about? I'm going to talk about what has worked from my week. And I realized that like those two ideas were really good ideas. They were just in the wrong place. Because me talking about beer to myself in the newsletter, interesting sort of, far more interesting for two people to share a beer and talk about the beer that they're drinking. And the same thing, modified version of going back over the week 
in a way. I don't want this to be like a weekly review, but like you and I had talked about, like, we'll just keep our eyes open, our ears open during the week for that's something interesting that I want to have a conversation about mm-hmm. and be able to bring that in. And I was like, that's going to work more for that. And then I realized, I'm like, well, I have the random badassery feed. Why don't we just bring it back? And then the moment I brought it up to you, first, your first reaction actually wasn't yes. Your first reaction was, there's got to be a middle ground here. That was your first yep. reaction. What were you thinking then? So I feel like there's a lack of formula that helps us, but I also feel like there's a existence of structure that helps us. And it's hard to really reconcile how those coexist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, without it being too rigid and without it being too freeform, there's got to be a somewhere in between there. Right. Which is what I'm looking forward to doing with the show. This is a part where, for those of you listening, we're going to kind of explain at least starting off, where we think we're going, why we brought this back, what we think we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as with anything, it probably will evolve as we get into it. As we realize, oh, we suck at that. Don't do that. Go this way a little more. We'll see what happens. But I think what we learned from brainstorms was having a, a more focused uh, direction with mm-hmm. where the episode's going was beneficial. Some limitation was beneficial. Whereas that was one of the problems we had when we started this show. There was literally no limitation. And we went everywhere and we missed a lot of really good opportunities. Sure. Because there's things we talked about that we just breathed, breezed over very briefly. So for me, what I've been thinking, and I think I communicated this to you well, is taking the idea of like, hey, here's something that would have come up you know, from the week. I've been thinking about this. Yeah, I think my, my example to you was... Uh, if you're watching Star Trek and you think, can a paperless society really work? Hmm. That's an interesting conversation. So you set up a fence, like here's, you know, we're going to talk about this one or two things in this episode, but then other than that, let go of the limitations. Mm -hmm. Instead of, hey, let's talk about 15 things in this episode and not really get anywhere with them or focus on one or two things and really try to actually understand what we're talking about and like really go for something, but then not have that have a format. I think that's the taking the lessons we learned from brainstorms and then applying what we loved about this show to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. And allowing that to flourish, you know, like right now for all intents and purposes, we are in the fence of, Hey, we're talking about being back, but there's been no structure other than that. We've gone kind of all over the place within that. Yeah. But I I think that's, thing that we we worry too much about is that structure. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think we should always be cognizant of it. But I think you and I have a natural pace and rhythm. I mean, the, the amount that we have talked recorded is is shockingly high. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think from from the, the from just that alone, we've established a rhythm that we 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 I think we clearly and like we subconsciously have defined for ourselves. Right. Um, so I don't I don't think it's as necessary to to be too rigid. And I think that was part of the reason why I think a brainstorms was starting to head in the wrong direction in my mind is because we were starting to become too rigid, you know? Well, yeah, it was a show that had a, spe- a, a specific audience and a specific focus. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, because of some of the topics in that show, like uh, when we talked about mental maps, when we talked about that episode, like is the brain are all of our cognitive functions built upon the spatial structures of the mind. Mm -hmm. I knew I had to have fairly good notes to go into that episode. Otherwise, I'd sound like an idiot. Sure, sure, sure. But the problem is when you go into an episode 
with extensive notes is you end up reading the extensive notes for most of the episode, mm-hmm. which is kind of what you were feeling in that rigid structure. So that's why like, it just didn't work for us to do that show together because mm-hmm. it's the wrong audience. Yeah. Whereas we can take a topic here and go, here's the topic and then just go from there. No notes. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking a lot about, you know, like this category that technically we're in the arts category. And before that was obviously very much the focus of the show. And I was like, we're going to have to change the category for this show. And I said, no, you know what? I think this show is about when you, when you dig down at least where it's going to be going forward and maybe what it always was. And we didn't realize it's about the art of conversation. So that, that idea of like, Hey, let's talk about this until, you know, like, okay, we're at the exhausted point with that. You have another topic. Boom. You know, instead of before what we would do is like, just jump when we felt like it. And we never really, I, I listened back to some episodes and I'm like, oh, that was a really interesting concept there. And we talked about it for like 40 seconds and how disappointing, mm-hmm. how disappointed I was listening to some of those. It's very funny you say that because I, going into this episode, there was definitely one that I really wanted to talk to you about from a previous episode that I think we just skimmed over. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what I plan on doing is going back every once in a while and listening to old episodes and looking for those loose threads. Mm-hmm. Because we're still uh, the same people. I mean, we've of which there of which there are a lot, by the way. And there's stuff that we talked about that's changed. You know, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. So it'll be interesting. I want to be able to bring that continuity, even going back and listening to episodes that I did when you weren't on the show, like mm-hmm. that. I, you know, uh, people I interviewed in that season. There might be stuff there that you and I could talk about too. Oh, sure, true. Yeah, I can see so, that. So it's be be really interesting. I, I think in some way it can be like an unofficial homework for you and I is it, to always in some way be listening to old episodes and looking for stuff. Yeah. Not as the focus of the show, but something to enrich the history of the show, to bring this all together. Because I do think as, as much as the evolution is important, a certain continuity also is important. Yeah. No, I get that. I understand. Yeah. And I, I don't mean that for you and I. I think that's a mistake a lot of podcasters make is they make choices about their podcast based on themselves. Yeah. It's for people listening, if there there's there's at least a couple people that are listening to this that know the show from the beginning. And how interesting would it be if we started talking about something and they went, Oh my God, I remember that. Sure. That would be I, if I was someone listening to a show and that happened. I would think that was the coolest thing. And I don't, you don't hear that a lot. It's like what I used to say about sitcoms. One of the things I kind of, I don't want to say hated. One of the things that would always bother me about sitcoms and early TV shows, you know, all the way up until the eighties, those first three decades of television mm-hmm. is they had no memories. Mm. You know, an episode would happen and they'd be talking about something. And it was like the episode that happened three episodes ago never happened. Yeah. 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 But then you, that's why I love shows like How I Met Your Mother, because mm-hmm. they would make a, in season one, they would make a joke, you know, because that time, that show was kind of phasing in and out of time. It was being told from the future. Yeah. This is me telling the past of How I Met Your Mother. So he would mention things that happened like five years in the future from when the first season was taking place. But when they got to the season where that thing actually happened, they had it happen. And I always loved that, that there was that care put into that. 
So in, in a way, I guess I think about that when we talk about these things, about bringing stuff up. And yeah, back. there are certain there are certain shows that I wish would do that a lot more and have the opportunity to do that a lot more too. Like shows like, you know, our favorite TNG, for example. Like I feel like there are moments where there that, that show needed a stronger sense of history. Um, I think certain shows like DS9 learned that that mistake. Um, and, and, and capitalized on it by having a very long memory. Like, I mean, if you look at, you know, Galdicott or like Garrick as characters, like their, their, their stories are, are told over such a long period of time and their memories are so long when it comes to the narrative itself. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I can't, I can't say enough, like how much I appreciate when a show brings back because, you know, I, I, and we've had this conversation on, on numerous shows, like I have a pretty good memory for that kind of stuff. So I love it when shows do that. Yeah. And by the way, he's talking about two Star Trek shows. He's using acronyms for those of us, <laughs> for those of the Trekkies. He forgot that, that we really aren't the only two people here. <laughs> Star Trek, the next generation and deep space nine. Uh, but you're right. I think part of that is those old shows. It's because the way that the writing was done is people would just come in and write an episode, but they didn't tell them what was going on with other people writing episodes that season. You know, just like, Hey, I wrote mm-hmm. a, I wrote an episode of, of the next generation. Cool. And it was like its own entity. They may in some way play off of stuff that had happened in seasons before, but stuff that was happening within that season, they didn't know they weren't in a writer's room. People would, Mm. and that's, that's a a newer thing. That comedy really brought that to the table with dramas was the idea of a writer's room where the writers were in constant communication with each other about the arc of the show. And the, the thing that those shows also didn't have is they didn't really have showrunners the way that we see them now what they sure. used to, when they had showrunners then it was mostly a producer but the showrunners mm-hmm. now are more in a directorial creative role where they're the one controlling the arc you know like uh when you think about i can't remember his name right now but the guy who does veronica mars he's not writing all the episodes oh, uh, yeah know, yeah god what the hell's his name or chibnall chibnall who's he's he's the guy that did Broadchurch, and now he's the one He's the showrunner for the current Doctor Who. They're not writing all the episodes, yeah. but they are setting the arc for the season. Like here are the things that are happening in the season. They're keeping track of those things so that when writers are doing individual episodes, they're going, okay, well, you can't do that because two episodes ago this happened. At least that's what the good showrunners are doing. But sure. I think that's that's still a, a more modern phenomena. Uh, I think especially shows like Breaking Bad really, they changed the game. But unfortunately, I think for me, they changed the game a little too much. Because I do miss episodic television. Ah, and nice segue into what I wanted to talk about. Episodic television? Yeah. And, and I, I mean, it was something that we brushed upon a few. I don't even remember if it was the last episode that we spoke about it. But I wanted to talk about how fucking serious TV is now. <laughs> Too much. Oh man. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I, this I was actually a personal stuff. conversation we had, by the way. Yeah. Was oh, before. really? Was it? Okay. Yeah. It was a pre, it was a pre episode. Um, I mean, I mean, you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty serious and intense dude by nature, but I think that's part of the reason why, like, so I used to watch TV and, and, and movies all the time, right? Like I used to check out the new stuff and, and, and I loved seeing like, you know, the, the craftsmanship and shows and the new narratives and the story, storytelling and all that kind of stuff. But I haven't took, taken on a new show in like a year and a half. And the reason Mm -hmm. why is because I think I, I've gotten to the point now where I cannot handle the seriousness of it. It's, it's, I think I worded when we had that conversation, the way I worded it to you was the new shows, they want too much from me. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that yeah. is the way you put it. I remember that. And especially with, with those, what's going on in the world right now, 
I don't have that much of myself to give. Mm-hmm. Oh man. And we and, won't get and, into that, but <laughs> yeah. And, and all things considered, like, I mean, I have, I want to turn my brain off. I actually more so than just turning my brain off. I want to turn my head and my heart off, you know? Um, and, and that's not to say that I, I want that all the time. You know, I just, I, I just want that right now. Like I need a break, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this stuff is, this stuff is so hard and the world is so hard and there's so many things going on that the last thing I need is to then worry about a character or worry about the, the, the universe within the scope of a show as well. You right. Know? And what, to clarify for anybody who's not clear about exactly what we're talking about. So there's technically two kinds of television, episodic television, and then story arc television. Those might not be the technical Mm -hmm. terms TV people use. Those are terms I use. Episodic episodic TV shows are law and order. A story starts at the beginning, and by the end of the the hour, it's over. Yep. Story arc, sometimes a a season, sometimes the whole show. Think Mm -hmm. Game of Thrones. The difference here is episodic television, you can turn it on and generally just watch an episode. Game of Thrones... You don't really want to turn on a Game of Thrones and go, you know what? I've never seen this show before. Let's start with season four, episode one. Yeah, can't do it. <laughs> I mean, you could, but I mean, you have no fucking idea what's going on. <laughs> no concept. You, you would be so lost. And, and both are good. You know, for some stories can only be told one way. Some can only be told the other. But sure. Story arc television has been very much in vogue. And episodic TV is looked at as silly. But I don't think it is. You know, like we look at some of the shows. Yeah, if you go back to like the 80s and stuff like that, of course it looks silly. Number one, people are still trying trying to figure out how television was different than stage acting to mm-hmm. some degree. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and you look at like something like the Golden Girls or you watch the first episode of Cheers is a great example. It is kind of set up like a play. It has the pace oh, sure. of a play. Yeah. There's still a dramaticism to it in the way that it's written because they're still trying to figure television out. So, of course, mm-hmm. when you go back and look at episodic television, you're going to see an inherent cheesiness to it. But if you look at other shows later where they start transitioning, like I think that Homicide Life on the Street, my favorite show of all time, is a great example of having story arcs, but being an episodic television show most of the time. Sometimes they had episodes that would go a little bit. You know, sometimes it takes three times, for, three episodes for a storyline to complete. But then you'd have like five episodes that were complete at the end of the hour. And that was the first show that introduced me to the idea of history. That someone who couldn't solve a case in season one was still, it was, that case was still being referenced six years later. So I think there's a middle ground there too. There's an artfulness to episodic television. If there's anybody who has been a longtime listener of all of our podcasts that has started a drinking game, Anytime you bring up homicide, life on the streets, everybody's got a drink. <laughs> I think if they really want to get hammered, they should really take a drink. It's, oh my God. It's like once every three episodes, I, I kind of wait for it. If I'm being honest with you, I'm like, how long is it going to take them for him? To, how long is it going to take Chad to bring that show into this, <laughs> into this episode or version of the show? Uh, it's awesome. Hmm. Yeah, I think that there's there's still the full artfulness of episodic television has yet to be explored. And I would like to see that because there is a certain satisfaction that maybe we need right now to be able to watch something and feel mm-hmm. that it's solved in 45 minutes or an hour. Oh, I completely agree with that. I, I so I, 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 There are no words that I can use to express how much I agree with that in the sense that like I feel like our our very survival, I feel like, depends on it. 
And I don't, and I'm not saying that these things have to be happy endings, but why was Law and Order on at the time? It was the longest running television drama of all time. Why? Why was it that successful? Some of it was actually the formula of the episodic television. Mm-hmm. You could turn on TNT. It's still on TNT today in reruns 20 years later. Oh man, really? Yeah, they have that contract forever. But you can Jeez. turn that on and watch an episode of Law and Order. I mean, you know, you'll figure it out like, oh, it's Curtis and, and Briscoe. Okay, this is like fourth or fifth season. You might know that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter. But you could watch that and then it's going to go through the episode. And at the end, you're going to find out whether the person gets off or they go to prison and then dun, dun, and the episode's over. Ah, whether it's a happy ending or not, there's still a release because it's like story complete. And I missed that. Did you see the huge backlash that show on Amazon The Boys got because they were releasing one episode at a time? No, but I love I love anybody that does something that nobody else is doing, at least in the arts. Maybe not so much in politics. And, and, <laughs> but this this but this def, but the, but this definitely speaks to something that we're talking about, which is, you know, because that show didn't really have a resolve from episode to episode, people just needed that sense of conclusion to feel okay. You know what I mean? Now um, they do. But when you go back to when we were watching, all watching True Detective season one together, mm-hmm. that week delay between the episodes back then was really mm-hmm. healthy. Because oh, it, awesome. yeah. it mm-hmm. created theorizing and we had so many discussions about how many times we would be down at that studio that Matt, our friends, Matt and Brandon had that studio downtown. How many times mm-hmm. we'd be out in front of that building talking about True Detective? Well, what do you think about this guy? Oh think? man, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> but that was a different that. that was a different world. Sure. So it definitely it's a context thing too. So I think now is a really good time for us to invest in episodic television. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I wonder if anyone's actually actively doing that. I don't know. To be honest, you know who the masters of episodic television are? The British. Mm. Yeah, true. And one of the reason the reasons that the BBC in particular is so good at episodic television is because unlike us, who we typically set our shows to 45 minutes because we still think we're on broadcast television mm-hmm. and we make for 15 minutes and we aim for a specific hour. So 45 minute episodes, it's ridiculous. Like you can make a TV show, whatever length you want when it's streaming, who cares? It's mm-hmm. streaming. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. But the British TV shows, the way advertising work on the BBC is it didn't. It's public television. They don't have ads. Yeah, sure. So their episodes would be an hour and 30 minutes. The difference in that episodic television in that approximately, well, let's say 40 minutes between an hour and 30, was that a 90-minute difference? We're drinking beer. We're not doing math here. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, man, you're asking a lot if you think I'm going to do math right now. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly have no idea if that's correct or not. I'm agreeing with you because I'm halfway through this beer and I don't drink much either. And I'm getting a little a little buzzy. <laughs> uh, actually, so yeah, sure. Why not? That's fine. <laughs> I, I, did the, I did the math while you were saying that. I, I, I said that wrong. There is a 90 minutes is an hour and a half. So it's yes. 60 minutes plus 30. So 40 minutes between. So it's a, it's a 50 minute difference. So technically a British television show is twice as long as an American television show mm. on average. Not all British shows are an hour and a half, but you know, sure, like sure. Uh, Midsummer Murders, Sherlock, Silent Witness, all of these crime shows, Luther, all an hour and a half episodes. Mm-hmm. What you can accomplish in that time in an episode, in an episodic format is double what you can accomplish in American one. So what feels rushed in an American one, because you have to get it done in 40 minutes 
you can spread out in a British one. That's why they're the masters of episodic television because they give it time to develop. A- am I right in remembering that um, Sherlock was also much longer as well? Am I right? Sherlock in that? was on the list I just said. Oh, okay. Sorry, I yeah. missed that. Okay, okay. It was the beer. <laughs> Damn it! That's the beauty of bringing beer into the format. So we can blame wow. anything on the beer. This is pure magic. I mean, I plus like not only that, but I'm drinking. I'm I'm drinking this beer faster than I probably would normally too, as well. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, I'm almost done. All, yeah, it's all kinds of awesome, man. It's great. I didn't think we'd be talking about television, but you know what? Let's 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 go on a little. We'll stick with the television here. I have a question for you. Mm. why isn't anybody doing what I just said a few minutes ago and making each episode individually different in length? You know, let the story dictate the length. There are a few shows that do that. Um, Unfortunately, there are some shows that are not great that do that. Like the, the boys, um, no, that's not an example of a bad show. That's an example of fantastic show that does that. They kind of, the lengths change a little bit from show from episode to episode and this last episode for the second season is actually like an hour and 20 minutes hmm. so they took their time and told the story that they needed to tell um game of thrones did that in the last season too as well that's an example of a show that didn't do it well but still did it um but i feel like some of the streaming services are now really starting to 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 realize like hey, why why are we sticking to a time right. frame? like that makes no sense like with podcasts that's one thing when i hear people interviewed or actually not even interviewed when they're talking one-on-one, like, you know, it's like the same two hosts every week mm-hmm. and they go, well, we're coming up on our hour. Whose clock are you on? Yeah. Who, <laughs> who the hell? Why do you care? Yeah. You're not on radio. They're not going to kick you off of your time slot. Keep going. Sure. If, if, yeah, you're, you're, if you're hot, keep going. Yeah. You're not stuck in a studio where like you're paying rent and they're going to kick you out. Who yeah. cares? And I think that with television, that could be so interesting where, you know, sometimes you might have, Think about Doctor Who, right? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe she goes off to a planet and just do a few things. And you know what? In 20 minutes, the story's done. It's just a short little story. Okay, you get a 20-minute episode. Next week, maybe it's an hour and 40 minutes because it's an epic battle she has to go through. Yeah, or she has to go back in time and like unravel something or, you know, yeah, yeah. give it give it time it needs to to tell the story properly, sure. And how fascinating, because the thing is, I don't know a lot about how they measure success with streaming shows. But I think if you're going to do something similar to like what YouTube does, it's time watch that matters, not starts. You know, mm-hmm. you're not counting how many people started this episode because, you know, like uh, 50,000 people start it, but only 20,000 finish it. Your show's kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. Sure. YouTube figured that out. So it's actually, you want to measure the time someone's watching. So if that's really what you're going to measure, the length of time someone's watching you don't need to take these long epic stories and break them up into like three episodes. You can mm-hmm. just put them all together because sure. it equals the same amount of time. I think that could be really interesting and it really breathes some life in the, because we went through what people were calling the golden age of television. I still don't think it was the golden age of television. I just think that people were starting to figure out that the, the, the format could be serious. But I think if you really want to get into a golden age of television, you can't even call television anymore. A golden age of, of video programming then you have to really like start playing with those concepts and letting the show and the story and the creators dictate things, not the producers and the bean counters. Mm-hmm. That's when shows are the best, you know, theoretically breaking bad should have been a failure. It was about someone going bad and someone that you over time liked less and less. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Game of Thrones shouldn't work. Oh, you really like that main character. He's dead. 
dead. <laughs> that shouldn't have worked. <laughs> you imagine if you were watching Cheers and you're like, Sam Malone, oh, he's dead. Not only that, but he dies like quickly and unceremoniously too. I mean, actually, speaking of Cheers, did have to go through that, but for real reasons. Coach mm-hmm. died. Yeah, Nicholas yeah, yeah. Santo, right. The guy played the coach. He actually died. That's right. But I liked that, Coach too. I really liked Coach. That first season of Cheers is perfect. Oh, it's literally so perfect. good. It's it's. I've been I've recently been rewatching it. I'm three three or four episodes in. I think I'm. I just watched the fourth episode, and four episodes in, you are already enamored with the show. Mm-hmm. Sure. No, I don't know any modern shows that pull you in that fast. And I don't think it was anything that anybody did purposely right. It was just perfect chemistry of the right cast with the right scripts at the right time. What's great about those first episodes, too, is I don't know how well you remember them. But over time, you know, like when Norm would come in, everybody would go, hey, Norm. When it started, Nicholas Colasanto, coach, used to scream his name. He'd come in and really? go, Norm! Oh, I don't remember that. And because of that, that first season, Cheers actually felt like a bar. Like a real where, bar. where the heck is that streaming now? Is it streaming anywhere? Uh, yeah, I'm watching it. So Peacock or Amazon? I can't remember. Hmm. One of those two. I don't pay for anything right now. I got, got it. You know, that's, that's another thing about television. I, this is a whole topic on television, apparently. But one of the things about television, and it probably has something to do with episodic television and so forth. Um, I lost the thread. Oh, so unprofessional. Um, Oh, the beer makes this so Uh, much better. I remember now. Okay. (laughs) And we're back. (laughs) But yeah, I've Uh, I've decided that because so much television wants so much from me that uh I would just start watching kind of whatever was on that was free. And you know what I've realized over time in the long run? The difference between a shitty show and a really great show is not really that much of a difference on how much I'm entertained. Huh. I can watch a show that's pretty bad and not really enjoy it, but at the same time, like not stop watching it. I know I've been watching Sequest, and Sequest is one of the worst shows ever made. I'm slightly surprised by that, actually, because I think I feel like my expectations are like, man, maybe that's just because of all the how serious TV's been and how much I've bought into that for so long. But I feel like my expectations of shows are like extremely high now and shows that I would have liked a lot more like 20 years ago. I don't like nearly as much because I have like, and and for me, it's, it's almost entirely visual um, and not necessarily the storytelling. Like I'm just a sucker for fantastic cinematography. And so, yeah, I get, I get locked into that. Like even shows like Supergirl that I feel like I would have really liked that like 15 years ago. And now I just kind of like it. I think that, well, I don't want to go off on a tangent about Supergirl, but the first season of that show was the best, period. Um, Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. Back when it was actually meant to be a strong feminist statement and not just like a hokey TV show. But anyways, Mm -hmm. the the thing about that I've realized is most of the time that I watch television, and I'm not saying this is for everybody, this is specifically me. Most of the time I watch television, it's generally just to relax and kill time. I'm not actually looking to be drawn into a story. I'm okay if it happens, but I don't really care that much. Huh. That's probably why I spent so many times over the years re-watching uh, reruns, or it's not really reruns because I'm watching it in streaming, of Unsolved Mysteries. Mm. I've seen each of those episodes probably 20 times, but it doesn't matter. It's entertaining enough for me. 
it fills mm-hmm. that gap for me. Yeah. So what I discovered is something, I don't know, did I tell you about Tubi TV, T-U-B-I? No. What the heck is that? So, oh no, not Tubi. Sorry. That's another one. This Pluto TV. I did tell you about Pluto. Yeah. You did tell me about Pluto. I remember that. So Pluto TV has, for people listening, Pluto TV has a set as essentially it's set up. It's almost like it's a streaming app that you open it up and it's like a cable box in the sense that when you open it up, you don't go into and go, I want to watch this movie. Please push play. There are channels and things are playing all the time. It's like mm-hmm. live TV. It has commercials, everything. It's literally live TV for free. Uh, and what's interesting about the way they do it is they have certain channels that are like mixtures, you know, like classic TV or 80s, and they only play show from the 80s. But then they have some channels, which are literally one show that plays for 24 hours a day. And the one that I've been watching recently is Three's Company. Mm-hmm. Number one, because when I watched Three's Company when I was a kid, I didn't get all the sex jokes because I was a kid. The show is, and now that I've been watching it, the show is literally just one half hour sexual innuendo. Yeah, of course. Every second of that show is innuendo. So I've been watching it and it's, it's that beauty of episodic television. I don't care. Like, is this a Roper episode or is this a Furley episode? I don't care. Mm-hmm. Just watch it. And it's on sure. 24 hours a day. I put it on and I don't have to make any more decisions. It's running. I get up to go to the bathroom. I could wait for a commercial or I could pee while the show's on. Who cares? It's not going to pause yeah. for me. And there's something nice about that. It's some. It's it's not only that TV shows want too much from me emotionally. Sometimes they, I feel like they want too much from me, like dedicating my time to them. Attention. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Are you keeping track of the storyline? You remember where this character, what this person did in season two? Because if you didn't pay attention to that when that happened in season two, then what's happening right now in season six is not going to make a whole lot of sense to you. I don't care anymore. But you see, that's. I feel like I had the. I feel like I'm getting there, but I feel like I have the opposite reaction. Like I really like paying attention. I do too when I choose to, but I don't want to do it every day. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess it, it all comes down to choice. Yeah. They, I feel like the reason why I don't give a shit about TV right now is because it doesn't give me a choice. <laughs> I, I either, I either care or I can't watch just because I am going to miss something because my brain is just not, my brain doesn't have the capacity to handle yet another thing at this point. <laughs> well, I, my favorite TV time is when I'm, Laying down, I'm relaxing. I'm watching something, but I'm only like half watching. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing something else. Maybe I'm playing a game out of my iPad. Maybe I'm flipping through Twitter on my iPad. Maybe I'm coming up with an idea for an episode of one of my shows, you know, one of my podcasts. That's my favorite time because I feel like I'm just, it, nothing is making me do anything at that moment. If mm-hmm. I, you know, I look up, I go, what just happened? And I rewind. I'm okay with that. That's what's really cool about some things, being able to rewind. But when I watched, you know, like uh, Three's Company, I was saying, I missed something. I missed it. Damn. wonder what that joke was. And there's, there is something cool about that sense of wonder, too. Yeah. Okay. Well, where are we on this? Where, where the hell are we? Uh, an hour something, I guess. Yeah, we're Gotta about be- an hour. I guess we could. Let's, let's reiterate. Let's go back to where we started with this. What are your thoughts as we're going into this? Right now, after going through an hour of this, we came into this. How are you feeling? What do you think about where we're going? Let's just, let's bring it all full circle, Lamb. It feels like we didn't have enough time. And that's the way I always want to feel. Because the, because there are episodes that we've done with brainstorms even where I felt like, like it was just a lot. It was exhausting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this is just two conversations 
or uh, two conversations. This is a conversation between slightly buzzed friends. <laughs> um, not only that, but now I, I feel like I can contribute a lot more. Yeah. Because I can, I can contribute the things that just happened to me throughout the course of the week that I just wanted to talk to you about anyway. Right. Really, the, I mean, the show is a lot of things, but really it's you and me. That's what this show always was. Mm-hmm. Even when sure. you, even when you weren't on the show, there was always like a lingering ghost of you. You were always brought up in conversations in the episodes when you weren't on the show. So, I mean, there's a reason that I think in some way, a reason that if we go into our joke way that we refer to this show, it's Landum, Lambdom Chadassery. There's a reason that works. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that before. (laughs) I've told you that many times. You just have you, have you, have you told me that died? Are you sure? Yeah, (laughs) maybe. I know specifically I told you in Starbucks in your car one time. Yes. So, so here's, so here's an interesting phenomenon um, that you will discover as I'm drinking with you more on these shows um, is that the first thing to go is my long-term memory. I mean, after the beer wears off, my long-term memory returns to what it was, but there are gaps, like my memory is not great. My ability to recall, I don't, I don't know why that is specifically with beer. And it only happens with beer, not hard alcohol, just beer. I think the beer is conducive to us not being too rigid with this show. So um, this is a good time to switch over to the other part. You can go over to Instagram and follow the vacant room. That's Lamb's Instagram. Yeah. You can follow what's he what is he what's he's got going on. What's what's he's got? What the hell are words are those? Got? What's he's got? You can follow what's he's what's got. What's he's got? Yeah. You can follow what he has got going on. <laughs> what he has got. I'm not sure if that's much better. What he has got. <laughs> Why don't you just say, just see what's going on in Lamb's life. Just go to the vacant room on Instagram. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's, let's it only there. worked when you yeah. said it about yourself in the third person. But uh, you can follow mm-hmm. me on Twitter and Instagram as the real chat hall. Do you, are you using your Twitter? Um, your Twitter? Not really. I mean, I'm managing so many other Twitter accounts that I've just abandoned my own. I just okay. don't have time to, to navigate between four different Twitter accounts. Um, I also have a newsletter, which is where we stole some of these formats. I've fixed those holes now i've introduced a, a an interesting concept over there that i'm gonna try out called a this or that poll every week there's a different poll and it's just gonna be two things and you pick this or that this week it's uh i haven't even sent this out yet but it's gonna be alf or et alf by far and you're supposed to reply on the email lamb uh whatever you are you're on that mailing list by the way not that you've ever opened one <laughs> I've opened. I opened one. I think eight months ago, dude. The, the number. The number. Eight months ago. <laughs> Wait, then what the hell was I getting from you eight months ago? I don't know. Porn. <laughs> does, um, does anybody send porn by by email anymore? I don't oh, know. I'm sure that. they do. Dubious. Wait, which which email address? I mean, I'm sure we can talk about this off I'm not, offline. Yeah, we'll talk about this afterwards, unless you want me to blast your personal. Yeah, email let's address. let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> Lastly, if you are still sticking around through all of this sloppiness, um, I have something called a Kofi account. Kofi account is a way to support the show. I have one of these. It's a personal one. If you follow my other stuff, I want you to understand that there are two accounts. I have a personal one, and then there's one that's just for this show. And it's ko-fi.com. That's Kofi forward slash random badassery. All one word. You can go over there, and it's going to tell you, would you want to support the show? Do you want to buy us a coffee? Just pretend that says a beer. Just, if you want to buy us a beer for the next episode, stop in, 
give us a little support. Give us a little nudge, a little nudge of encouragement to at least work on our articulations. I can't. A nudge of encudgelment. None of those words count. A nudge of encudgelment. I'm just going to hold on to that one for a little bit. This is, this is, I can't imagine this episode <laughs> have gone any sloppier. I hey, can't by the way, imagine. By, by the way, and this is, I don't, I can't blame the beer for all of Can this. you, for the love of God, tell us what your other podcasts are? All of them. All right. If, if you think that there's anyone still listening. <laughs> I doubt it, but might as well. I have further questions, which technically, the further questions is using the feed that this was originally, that Random Badassery was originally on. So there's probably some really old Random Badassery listeners over there. But that's my true crime podcast. I focus mostly on the unsolved and the missing. And it's kind of more like hardcore history, Dan Carlin's hardcore history, in the sense that it's not a weekly show. It doesn't even have a regular schedule. I literally go and I research a case. And when I feel like I have enough knowledge on that case, then I release an episode. I feel like that's the right way to do that topic because there's so much false information out there that people fall into the pit of that. Actually, the most recent episode I did of that show was a bonus episode about that exactly, about how hard it is to do true crime research and do it justice. And mm. Brainstorms, the show that we've been mentioning multiple times on here, I have yet to release a solo episode. I will in the next few days, probably, when I figure out what it's going to be on. But that show focuses mostly on note-taking, minimalism, productivity, getting to like the nitty-gritty of how like that... What is what are the actual steps that you use to manage this? It's kind of like the the nerdier, nerdier version of me. And if you've actually listened to this show previously in the past, some of those tendencies you've seen many times before. And then my last show is Semi-Literate. And that's my book club show. I talk about the books that I've finished reading. It's uh, I call it the book club for people who hate book clubs because most book clubs out there and most book lists out there focus on young adult or business books. And I'm not saying I would never cover either of those two, but there's a huge, huge gap of of genres that are not covered in those two that nobody's really doing much with. So I focus in that area more. Mm. So those are my three shows. Um, anything you want to plug while you're here, Lamb? I'm, I'm not going to get political, but I'm going to, yeah, I'm not going to get political, but I'm going to say something slightly political, uh, which is go and vote because it's the least you can do. And um, even though I don't think it's even close to like enough um, you can get involved in so many ways that don't require money. I hate the excuses people put on that kind of stuff. Um, I don't care what side you support. I don't care which candidate you support. Our democracy survives when people participate and participation is what it's all about. So get your ass off your couch and go do something. Vote. Voting is the least you can do. So if, that, if you think that's enough, then you're already part of the problem. And while we don't ever plan on getting political on the show, I will say this. If you're going to vote for the orange super spreader, you probably won't enjoy the show. Oh! <laughs>